Hey, how y'all doing? This is Matt Hines for a Triple Bottom Line podcast. I wanted to talk a little bit about the things that I'm hearing in terms of the global food system and food price increases and supply disruptions and just the... um, apparent uh, cause for alarm. And this is something right now that it seems like more right-wing or conservative people are in America are more focused on this issue, much more so than liberals from what I perceive. And I've honestly not looked into it a whole lot myself, it's like the details of what is happening here and now. Um, like I'm hearing about big box grocery stores again are going to be, yeah, just having really high prices. The places where people mostly get their food, the prices are going to be really high. And I think some of this has to do with gasoline prices, which are right now really high, more than double what they kind of had been pretty consistently for the last few years. And some of this is probably due to the Russia-Ukraine conflict. But I don't I don't know I don't know all the details. So but but for what it's worth I do see these trends happening when I look at it historically. And the book I'm reading right now, which when I'm done with it, I'll try to do just a little review podcast just for that. But, you know, it's outlining, this is historical. This happens um, every so often when all the conditions are right, which is about you know, four-fifths of the time throughout our history, then we have really cheap food and fuel. And it's really, relatively, it's only gotten cheaper. But every so often we have these scares, these shortages. And um, the... Just my overarching takeaway from this is it just comes back to regionalism and it comes back to the triple bottom line as what is going to be your uh, model for conducting your business or, or, or and but also but also macro organizing and micro organizing around the um, very challenging um, the, the challenge of making sure that everybody in your communities and your society and your state and your country has enough good food to eat I mean throughout obviously throughout human history that's been 
one of the biggest challenges. And we've dealt with that in any number of ways. But now, once again, we're at one of these crossroads where there's potentially really big problems that don't seem to have any answers. But the biggest thing for me is to remember that, like, yeah, but that's the globalized system. That's the corporatized system that is struggling right now. And so if you're only looking at that as our only option, which I know for a lot of individuals it is, but especially for if I'm, if I'm talking to people who have a little bit more means than that, they're not poor people, they're like middle class or upper, upper middle class people, you have the, a lot of them have the power and ability to not even bother with that food system. And in a lot of places, there already is a fairly, you know, strong, small, but strong local food system. There is a farmer's market somewhere nearby for a lot of people in this country. And again, like mid-class, wealthy, wealthier people. You could go to a farmer's market and you can go to have a little bit more education and awareness of what are the local food providers and focus on sourcing from those more so. And it doesn't have to be like a um, all in or all out thing. You know, you just prioritize that. And I think you could feel good because the thing is like that system is not struggling right now. And there's no, that system is way more resilient to these ups and downs in the global economy. And not only that, but that system is the one that is giving us way more variety in our diets and way more nutrition in our diets. Especially in terms of like fresh fresh greens and and high micronutrient produce that I was talking about in the last episode. Um, But also the quality of the meats and animal products is going to be measurably uh, higher. And then on top of that, there's the uh, ecological impact, which is going to be significantly more careful with the regionalized food system practitioners and farmers ecologically, <clears throat> including, but also, and this, this is a point in itself, but like the dependence on fossil fuels. And you can look at it just in terms of like food miles. I, I do think that food miles, that's an important measure. It's really hard to measure that. But you can just, I think, one can comprehend fairly easily this concept. So if you're getting all, if we're, if we're getting like we do now, here in, really throughout the Northeast, in Mid-Atlantic, and really this whole 
mega city that extends from northern Virginia all the way up into Maine along the coast with how many million people? 150 million people? Um, if we're getting, and you, t- you could take just one category of food, the, the most highly micronutrient dense foods, the ones that when we're looking at the health problems that a lot of people have and inadequacies in the diet is related to not enough micronutrients. So looking at the most micronutrient dense foods and just looking at like produce, and these are also the things that tend to be more perishable and lose their quality um, like more easily. They're not, they're not as easy to store, the produce is. So if we're getting 90% of our produce from outside of our region, and I mean, you could extend that region all the way to the, like the Mississippi River, and like uh, maybe up into like eastern, southeastern Canada. So if you're getting, which I think we are getting like 90% of our produce from outside of that region so then and and I, I draw that line because that's the line where it's like after that it's really taxing it's extra taxing to move anything but produce included from outside of that region to into that region so So this is why it's important to just and just like try to fathom for a second that that number because there is a number there that is quantifiable of how much fuel is needed ultimately to f- to feed all us folks out here on the eastern United States. If you're getting a lot of that stuff from California, you're getting a lot of it from Central America, South America, the Caribbean. Just think about all that fuel that you need to have. And you can have a whole conversation about switching over to renewables or whatever. But there's another set of initiatives and another kind of focal point that... uh, could I think maybe that's important that it's also that's also happening too but I think there's another way to solve this issue we're looking at like food prices and food quality then it's just like any initiative that's going to bolster the systems the weak links in the food system chain so that it's easier and cheaper for all of us in our region to not have to rely outside of the region for food, something as essential as food.
So then bringing it back to, you know, this current scare, it's just like, but I don't see enough awareness or focus on the regionalism, the localized food system. I mean, it seems to gain a little bit of traction, but it feels like it's stuck. There's a, a, a certain subgroup of people that are, are totally bought in and they believe in it. Um, but it's, it doesn't seem to be just a powerful enough movement right now. And maybe what it is, maybe it's not as important to try to convince some people that though they may be concerned and aware about the current scare that we have in our food system and have more maybe like a survivalist mentality about it or libertarian mentality about observing that and blaming solely uh, the government for, or mostly the government, for why things are this way. Which I mostly agree with that, but it's also a little, there's a little more there, and also then, well, what is the solution then? It's just from that camp, I don't often hear solutions like alternatives, and if I do, I, I hear the alternative, and I'm like, yeah, that, I don't think so. I don't think that's gonna work. So what are we going to do? Like, what's the, what's the plan then? And like, I don't know. Like, I don't, but I don't, I actually don't even think you need to convince those people. But I think the, those of us who are already bought in have to take, I guess, the next step in the level of organizing and determination and amount of time that we're going to put into it. And I'm not talking about like I'm talking about a really small subset of people the people who are maybe like already employed in on this which is a very small percentage of people they would be I don't know throughout the whole like if we're looking at our mega region here on the eastern United States how many individuals are already really mobilized in this work of regionalizing the food system I would guess like 200,000 people, 200,000 individuals, maybe. And uh, well, and I know there's already a lot of organizations too in places where these people are coming together and working together. But uh, I don't know, I guess we just got to push even harder. We got to keep pushing. And um, f forcing the issue, forcing some changes, and winning where we can. Um, and I'm so I've, I'm talking about this mega region where I think it makes sense for, like that's a good place I think to focus in on. really putting strong determination and 
sourcing more food from within this region. But you can break it down even much smaller scale than that. Like we're going at uh, here in here in Delaware. Um, there's the Delaware Urban Farm and Food Coalition. That this is the local place where I think most of the people in Delaware who really care about this are joining this coalition, and I think that's a that's a really cool thing. And we're looking at well, it's it's Delaware, so we're looking at all of what is, uh, or we're concerned with what's going on in in Delaware. And uh, this is a new coalition, just a couple years old, and they're still sort of forming and defining what it is that they the scope of work that they want to be engaged in. And one thing that's been talked about, and I think it's actually a really good place to start, is to take an assessment or take an inventory. What are the current assets that we have? Just start right there. And take, let's get a list of all the localized food system operations. And they're also concerned a lot with like community gardens and ur- urban farm plots smaller plots um which i I, like don't get me wrong i love those and i fully support those but i'm a little more concerned with you know for me it's kind of like i feel bad if you have to if the urban people who want to access the opportunity to grow their own food if they're having to squabble over like eight by eight plots that's like to me that's kind of sad especially considering that there are even in very urbanized northern newcastle county there are hundreds of acres of underutilized yet cleared and suitable agricultural land so you got right in wilmington You've got people, there's a long waiting list for community gardens and and little community garden plots. There's so many more people that want to get involved in it, but they, there's not enough land. But then if you drive right up the road, there's all these private, but also um, public county and state lands, hundreds of acres just a couple miles up the road that are just being held on to and either most commonly around here they're being hayed or they're being used for corn and soy and that's all well and good but the problem is that uh you know that's really there's a number of ways to look at why that's not as good for the circumstance and one of them is that it's not as high value if you grew if even if you took one of those hundred or so five plus acre plots that i've seen that are in that kind of conventional agriculture what's the yield per acre or or ultimate price per acre that you could get from that is maybe a couple thousand dollars but if you took even 
one of those five acre plots and converted it into intensive mixed agriculture, then you can yield like 20,000. You can, you can get like $50,000 per acre. 50,000 versus 5,000, 10 times more cash. All right. So I, I know that a lot of people, they only hear the, the money numbers. So there you go. Um, and I'm just saying this because, again, it's like when I hear the concern about what's happening to the globalized food system, I'm just starting to see like, okay, well, why not regionalism then? <laughs> 